welcome to Tab's Two Cents, a show for average Joe investors where we talk finance and how to achieve success. Hi, welcome to Tab's Two Cents, the show where we talk about finance, business, and achieving success. Today on the show, we have Flint Jameson. Flint is the founder of Vestas Capital, and he's a long-term investor in commercial real estate through syndications. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks for coming on. Um, I thought we could start the show just with a little introduction, uh, who you are and what Vestas Capital is. Yeah, so I'm going to dive back into my history a little bit. I'm a mechanical engineer by education and through through my career. Uh, I've been doing aerospace for almost 20 years now, and uh, I decided I needed to have a different path out of my day job, and I didn't want to work for 40 years into retirement. So I discovered real estate, and then from there I I went and uh, started Vestas Capital, which is a syndication, multifamily syndication company, um, where I help investors develop a second stream of passive income through commercial real estate investment. Cool, that's awesome. So one of the things I noticed that you posted in your website and on your profile was that it's sort of like an alternate path to retirement as compared to what most people are used to with, you know, a a large investment account with dividends or whatever, which I think is great because retirement really is a goal. It's, it's not a timeline. So do you think that real estate can help people get there quicker and, you know, what kind of opportunities do you see in commercial real estate? Yeah. So really how I got down this path. And I think probably a lot of your listeners know about real estate, right? And in the most basic form is, is a single family home. Buy a single family home, you rent it out and you, you collect passive income from it. Yes, there's some management you have to do. Uh, and then if you can grow that portfolio large enough, you get passive income, enough passive income to uh, start paying your expenses. So what I consider financial freedom is your passive income is greater than your expenses and then hopefully and then more right so you can travel and enjoy life to the max but you don't necessarily need a a giant nest egg right we've been taught that in school put your money in stocks put your money in a 401k iras and and develop over 40 years this massive nest egg that you hope is large enough until you can retire but I found this path to be, I I guess it's a smarter path for me. If I can just give myself a whole bunch of passive income, I don't need a giant nest egg. And then I can choose to retire when I want to retire versus when the government says I can collect social security at 62 or 67. And then IRAs and 401ks, you can start collecting it. Uh, I don't even know what it is these days, right? But it's like this government driven age. So doing this path gives me the freedom to choose when I want to retire as soon as I can reach that that state of enough passive income. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's goal. And it's it's easy to lose sight of that when you see your, you know, if you work at a job and you're fortunate enough to have a pension and they say, well, you can get your full pension at 65, then you kind of just lock in at that age. But if you can create enough passive income through the methods that you're talking about, then you can retire as soon as you're ready financially. So what are some of the main differences between commercial real estate and residential real estate? Because I think most people are more familiar with the residential side. Yeah. And I would say most people that get to where I'm at now with the commercial real estate start out in single family homes. So I'm going to walk you through kind of 
the the span of where people go they start with a single family home and they say well that's cool that was hard maybe i should scale up a little bit do a duplex or a fourplex and then some people might go the way of flipping right where you take a distressed or aged property and you flip it and resell it there's wholesaling and then eventually you make it to well all of that is a lot of work it takes a lot of capital and a lot of effort to get that many doors like to give you an example, I, I realized I needed at least 50 doors before I could retire from my W-2 and then I'd have to continue building from there. It took me better part of a year just to get one duplex. I did the uh, what's called a BRRRR strategy where you buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. Um, it wasn't hugely successful, but it's cash flowing. I still own it now, but I realized after that one, I needed something more efficient because I was going to spend the next 15, 20 years just acquiring doors. So I kind of leapfrogged past all the, the wholesaling and flipping of homes and came across this multifamily commercial syndication where it's a bunch of investors pool their money together and buy an apartment building. Now, what's great about apartment buildings is the stability, right? You can go buy a hundred unit complex where you, you have a hundred tenants, all cash flowing, right? You might have five move out in one month, but you still have like a 95% occupancy where if you have a single family or a, a duplex, one person moves out, you have to turn that unit around. It takes you a month to refill. You go to 100% vacancy in that month. So there's a lot of stability in that. The other great thing that we do is uh, value adds. So think of it like flipping a single family home, but on steroids. So we buy distressed or aged properties or mismanaged properties, and we do a value add strategy over a five-year period. We have tenants in, we renovate, we're collecting cash flow the entire time for the investors, and at the end, we sell at that higher value, and it's typically a five years. And uh, the goal is we build a business strategy around a 15% IRR and uh, around a, a 2x multiple of your investment. Those are pretty good numbers. And uh, in five years, that would be great. And if someone's to achieve that with a stock investment, I think they'd be pretty happy. Yeah. So I think, you know, traditionally people are more comfortable with different methods of valuing stocks, like, you know, PE multiples and, you know, regular valuations. What do you do to look at a commercial property to find value? Yeah. So commercial properties are valued by what's called a, a cap rate. And that's how we normalize. So take it back one step really quick. You value your house by what your neighbor sold it for, right? Uh, with commercial property, you value it because it's a revenue generating property. So there's a cap rate for a given MSA or a local market, and that's a percentage. Cap rate equals uh, your net operating income over value. So I know it's it's three variables in this equation. Cap rate is a percentage, call it 6% equals how you're, you're operating, right? Your net operating income. So if you can increase your rents, decrease your expenses, your value automatically goes up. And if the economy in that area gets better, that cap rate actually gets smaller, increasing the value of your property. I get there's, there's probably a lot of confusion there, but that, and it of itself allows us to calculate projected returns over that five-year period because we can look at what the neighbors are charging for a given type of apartment complex 
we can increase our rents $50, $50 per unit, right? It's an easy calculation to get to. If we renovate, it'll cost us this much. We know we can get expenses down. We know we can get the rents up, put it in the calculation. All of a sudden, you know what your returns will be over that five years. So I would say it's simpler than the way stocks are because you know there's no PE ratio or anything. This is a true business strategy that we build our investment around. So these are syndications built on groups of people with different expertise. So when you buy a commercial property, are there some people in the group that are plumbers, for example, and some people in the group that are, you know, drywallers, and then these guys can go in and fix the property up cheaper than it would cost for me to hire a contractor? Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the structure of syndication. So there's the general partnership side, which is a team of people that are doing a majority of the sweat equity as far as you got to find the deal, you have to find a lender, you have to do all the due diligence, inspections, and managing the asset, right? And then we have a property manager, we hire a property manager, we don't do it ourselves, but we manage the property manager. And on top of that, we team up with the property manager to manage a renovation team, right? We bring in the professionals. If there's a boiler, we'll bring in a boiler expert and we have them quote it before we actually buy the property. So we bring in all these experts to give us, uh, this is all the due diligence period, even before we buy it. And then we have to raise capital with all the investors. So the guys doing all the sweat equity are the general partners. The people that come in with the money are the limited partners. Now we buy apartment complexes the same as you would a single family home. We go get a loan. We can either get a, a private loan uh, or an institutional loan like a Fannie or Freddie loan. Uh, and then we need to still put that 20 to 25% down. And that's where investors come in. Because when you're buying a $14 million apartment complex, you have to bring something like three to $4 million to the table. And so our investors, we have a minimum of 50K investment. And that's, so investors can come in at 50K. Some may come in at a half million and, and we just raise enough capital and everybody's in on the deal and everybody gets a percent equity based on what they contributed. Right. And when you say they're limited partners, they would be limited liability to the money they invest in. So they're limited partners because they are truly passive. They do not have any, uh, they do not have any control or decision-making power when it comes to operating. So all the investors get into an LLC that owns the property. So the SEC Securities and Exchange Commission has uh, a whole bunch of regulations built around this. And we put private placement memorandums together. This is all private equity investments. So we put all the paperwork together. If you put in 50K, your 50K technically goes into the LLC that the property owns, and that's how you get your percent equity. But I would, Yes, technically you're limited liability because you're in the LLC, but um, yeah, truly passive. So you don't have to manage the tenants or anything else you would as you would with a single family home. Gotcha. And the property managers deal with a lot of tenant issues and everything. So investors basically just hand you the money and hope yep. for the best. And ride the wave of high returns. Yeah. So we typically do quarterly quarterly cash flow distributions and then take this one step further there's tax benefits here in the u.s so what we do is this year alone right now in 2022 this has happened in the previous years you can depreciate a hundred percent in the first year so what we do is a cost segregation we write off everything on the entire apartment 
in that first year. And uh, that equates to, let's call it for sake of an example, I'm not a CPA or a tax advisor, but if you put in 100K on a deal and we depreciate 100% of that asset in that first year, you may get $60,000 worth of paper loss when you do the, your taxes at the end of the year, which is hugely beneficial because it may totally offset any other income you have. You may not pay taxes for that first year. And if you can't take advantage of it all, it carries on to the next years. Wow, that's, that's impressive. Uh tax work there. Me being in Canada, I'm not really sure how that would affect me. I'm sure there would be some cross-border tax implications. But that being said, where do you guys generally look for commercial real estate? So me, myself, we're typically in the South. So right now we have a couple in Texas uh, and I have a couple in Atlanta as well. So I'm both a general partner and a limited partner. So I will invest my money in, in other groups. I also invest my my retirement funds. So you can put a self-directed IRA or a solo 401k money into these, these other deals as well. But I'm typically in the South. Uh, I am currently in Denver. I live in Denver. I would love to do one in my backyard. It's just the, the prices are a little bit harder to make a, a deal shake out. Is there like a magic ratio that you guys find with, you know, rent earn to cost to borrow repair? Uh, I don't know that I'd take it to that level. Ours is, that's a little granular. I think what we really look for is your income to expense ratio. So when we go into a property, we're, we try to be conservative and, and put it around 50%, even if they're operating better than that. I guess this is a key point. When we put our business strategy together, all our numbers are as conservative as possible. So when the rainy day happens, because it will happen, right? Issues will crop up that we have some buffer there. But um, we try to dial down that, that income to expense ratio to be lower than 50% and call it maybe 40 or 35%. That way your net operating income skyrockets. Awesome. So let's assume that I'm a investor looking to pursue one of these opportunities. Could you walk me through the process of investing in a commercial syndicate? Yeah, absolutely. So you can well go to my website, investiscapital.com. And on there, you, you sign up in the investor club and it'll take you through a series of questions. We need to identify whether you're an accredited or a non-accredited investor. Uh, the SEC does allow non-accredited investors. So let me break this down because your, uh, your listeners may want to know more about this. So accredited investor is... You make 200K a year over the last two years, married couple 300K, uh, or your net worth is a million dollars minus your house, your primary residence. If you're less than that, you can be a, a non-accredited or we call it sophisticated investor. And um, you have to develop a relationship with us. We have to get on the phone call. I, I interview you, make sure that you're sophisticated enough to invest, say, $50,000 um, and then the, the SEC will allow me to let you in on deals. So from there, once you're in, I will start offering deals as they come. Uh, you, as the investor, will receive a, a deal deck from us where we break down the, the entire deal from where it's at, how healthy is the market that it's in. Like, say, we're putting it in Augusta, Georgia. We'll give you all the information 
on that microeconomy in that area, what kind of people we're looking to put in as, as new renters, like say there's a hospital nearby, we're gonna put doctors or nurses in there. Um, we, we give you a whole bunch of the financials so you can underwrite it yourself. And then we, we also talk about ourselves. So from an investor standpoint, this is an interview process. You wanna interview the general partnership team. So you are coming to us, right? You've talked a lot about stocks and mutual funds. Um, you don't really get to do that with those type of portfolios. With us, you always have our contact information. You can get a hold of us and we can talk directly all the time. And we provide you this slew of numbers and background data to give you confidence in, in our business strategy and confidence in us that we can um, actually pull off the, the deal. Yeah, I think that's great that people have this as an option to help them get to retirement. Because as you say, really, the goal is enough passive income to quit your nine to five and just move on with the money that you're earning while you sleep. Yep. I wonder if uh, I've done enough research on various methods of earning extra income to know there are always risks. So I wonder if you could talk about the risks involved with these kind of investments. Yeah, straight up any investment, you could lose all your money, right? Stocks, you could do the same thing. And, and we don't say anything different. It would be wrong of us to say anything different. But I would say that because we are investing in a tangible asset and a very in a, uh, a healthy economy, that um, it's, it's the other things, the unforeseen things that become the risks. And that's why you interview the team to make sure that we can can react to the unforeseen. Like in 2019, if you would have said, well, what if a pandemic hits the world? What are you going to do? I mean, at this point, you're, you're just throwing darts at a wall and giving me a risk that I can say, well, here's our option, right? And so if the interest rates all of a sudden go up, uh, we do have different strategies. We could sit and hold it for a little bit longer. Um, we could cash out refi, give you a, a good chunk of your money back and then write out the deal with the same amount of equity ownership. That's actually a very common play that we do within, once we finish renovations, we'll do a cash out refi. And if you invest 100K, we'll give you 75K back. And that's not even tax because that's your original investment back. You can turn around, reinvest that somewhere else while you're writing out this deal until maturity. So there's a whole bunch of different strategies that we can get into depending on the, the health of the market. Yeah. And it does seem that the risks are in comparison to a single family home, they are somewhat spread out in the way that you have more rooms to fill. So if you lose one tenant, you get one bad tenant that destroys a room. It's not going to be as detrimental to your investment as a single family or duplex. That's right. And the other thing to mention, it's a total, it's a tangible asset, right? We're sitting on land and we have a building. So uh, unlike a stock where it's a certificate and the company could go bankrupt. I mean, it would, it would take a lot for us to turn a tangible asset into $0. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, so I wouldn't want to let you go without asking a little bit about your aerospace background. Yeah. I know this is kind of off topic, but I don't generally talk to too many people working in that area. I've been doing a lot of work on mining and, you know, the impacts that that can have on the climate especially what we're going to need moving forward and how much mining and industrialization we're going to need throughout the world to do that and our grid and everything i just want to ask you before i let you go 
where do you think we're at for mining asteroids? Mining asteroids. Well, that's a totally different thing. So I come from commercial aerospace. Uh, I think it's hugely costly. I, I don't know how you bring materials back. Right? I, I, this is a great question. We could probably jam on this for a while, but it takes an incredible amount of energy to just get something up into space. So say you get this mining equipment up there. I don't know how you get that amount of weight back in the atmosphere without it all burning up or turning into a you know a big hole in the ground. Okay, so I know I said that that was the last thing, but something just came to me. What is the difference between a syndicate and a REIT? So the, a REIT, you can, it's easy to invest in one if your money's already in a financial institution, right? You can go to Fidelity and, and throw your money in a REIT. A REIT is, it's like a mutual fund that they specifically invest in real estate. So you do get the benefits of stability of real estate and the high returns of real estate, but you do not own it with equity. So there is no tax benefit. Uh, the people running the REIT take, take a percentage off the top, right? So all of the benefits of really owning a real estate, you only get part of that. The, the mutual fund or the REIT owners um, take all the good stuff off the top, like the tax benefits. Um, it is easy to get in. You can get in with, call it 500 bucks, whatever the REITs let you in, right? It's a, it's a low barrier to entry. But within the syndication, you are actually an equity owner on the property and you get all the benefits of being an equity owner. Yeah, that makes total sense because you get the appreciation, the depreciation, you get the income and, you know, the tax benefits as well. So, yep. yeah, that's that's a great point. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. I think that we've covered a lot and it's certainly a very interesting investment opportunity for people. So. Thanks a lot for your insight. I really appreciate it. It's Vestas Capital for anybody looking to join your team. And uh, I'll make sure to link that in the show notes. All right. Thank you for having me on. Joe is not a financial advisor and may have interest in the stocks discussed on the show. So do not take any information included within this podcast as a recommendation or formal advice. Thank you.